Blog Talk Radio. This is Jay Lethal, the undisputed champion of the wrestling world. This is John Sullivan. It's Babs, I like Michael Thompson talking. The phenomenal AJ Styles. Jerry Rose. Psycho Killer, Kamasa Champa. This is Matt Blair. Thank you for listening to Sportscast Radio. Sportscast Radio. Welcome to Sportscast Radio. Why is their first choice and Kyrie is their second Closest choice? Closest approximation to Kyrie Irving in the world is Kemba Walker. This is the latest Woj Bob. Jimmy Butler cares. Jimmy Butler's going to show up when it works. That's what he does. Why would you go anywhere else? Stay your behind in Philadelphia. Denver is really the team you got to watch. The Lakers. LeBron James. The Lakers. LeBron James. The Lakers. Anthony Davis and Kyle Kuzma. In fact, I believe the Celtics will be better next year with Kemba. This is the place to be. And if you're Kawhi Leonard, I'm telling you right now, Jay, I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the best time of year, free agency, and we're live. I got my guy Nick Hagberg with me, as per normal. Nick, what's going on, man? Are you ready for two hours of chaos on the radio here? Man, I'm, I've been waiting for this day for a few months now, and, and I'll say this too. This is so much better than what we were doing a year or two ago, sitting at 3 a.m. doing this. So much better <laughs> at, at 5 p.m. our time. Loving it. And it's already, uh, uh, D Rose, two years to the Pistons, $15 million already dropped. Uh, you can check Derrick Rose off of your list of things to do. Um, I have a giant list of things to just ramble off about that I kind of gave to you. Um, but I want to get right into it right off the bat because I didn't think it was going to get as hot as it would right right away. I know we said we were going to give it a couple minutes to digest before we go right into it, but but we already got him sitting on the line. Mike, are you with us? Yes, I am. Mike, welcome to the show. We thought it was fitting that the Toronto Raptors defending champions go first. Uh, real quick, uh, why don't you introduce yourself to all of our listeners, where you write for, and I cannot wait to get down to business with you. Yeah, um, Mike Bassetti, I write for the site RaptorsRapture.com, covering the NBA champion Toronto Raptors and hopeful future home of Kawhi Leonard. Oh, oh, and that's exactly where I want to get into this. So myself and uh, Nick, we're going to alternate with everybody tonight, just back and forth with the time that we have. And with KD and Kyrie immediately off the board, as we have found out, what is the latest on that guy? What is the latest with Kawhi and your team, man? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I I don't think anyone really knows right now, and uh, the Lakers have kind of emerged as this last-second threat, and certainly Kyrie choosing to go to Brooklyn, which we thought was a done deal, kind of makes that even more of a threat now. So it's something where I don't think anyone really knows until it happens, and Kawhi's camp is notoriously pretty quiet, and it's what we're seeing right now. Nick, what you got, sir? Yeah, I'll just oh, we... get right into it. Yeah, yeah, I'll just get I'll just get into speaking of Kawhi Leonard. 
Um, I, I noticed you say the hopeful, or you use the word hopeful. Now, how would you react? I, I read a tweet from Chris Grusardis a couple of days ago that the chances of your team retaining Kawhi Leonard are fading, are essentially fading by the day. I guess what what's your take on that, and really, what are your thoughts on Kawhi Leonard re-signing with the Raptors, considering the Raptors will have the final say and will have the final meeting with him? Yeah, um, I don't know if I necessarily agree that the Raptors' chances are dwindling by the day. The Nothing has changed kind of over the past few days since Anthony Davis waived his trade kicker, and if Kawhi was set on going to Los Angeles this entire time, then, you know, he's had that since he won the championship, and I don't understand what has changed kind of recently in the last couple of days other than Anthony Davis waving his trade kicker, so we'll see. Um you know, Chris Broussard has been pretty adamant that Kawhi is not coming back to the Raptors all season long, so we'll see if his information is correct. Um, I think it's a little bit more of a toss-up than that, but, you know, obviously we're just waiting to see what his decision is. So what do you, where, where do you go next? Say for some reason we find out, you know, he meets the Lakers, he meets with the, you know, God forbid, the Clippers as a Lakers fan. I, don't, I, I can't stand him. Um, you know, you guys get that final say probably Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it is. What do you, what's next then for the Raptors if he steps away? You got you're gonna have the money, you know. It, is it moved to Pascal Siakam and his team now? Does this hurt his growth? I know I saw somebody write about that on your website. What's kind of plan B if uh, the King of the North doesn't come back? It's really interesting. I to me, you kind of have two paths here, and Toronto has Kyle Lowry, Marcus Gasol, and Serge Ibaka all on one year deals and really only have a couple of guys that are on contract for past this next summer. So Masai Ujiri can kind of be proactive about things and try to send off Gasol, Abaka, Kyle Lowry, maybe for a bad contract or two to pick up an asset. But most likely what I would guess is that the Raptors try to run it back with the team that they have minus Kawhi Leonard. And they were 17-5 and in games that Kawhi did not play last year, so my guess is that this team looks pretty similar to what you saw last year, just with Kawhi Leonard removed from the equation. Obviously, that team is not a real championship contender, but I think that team's still a 4-5 seed in the Eastern Conference. So I, that would be my guess right now. However, Masai Ujiri certainly isn't afraid to take risk, as we saw with the Kawhi Leonard trade and trading away DeMar DeRozan. So if they do kind of ship off for some assets, that wouldn't surprise me either. But my guess is they kind of just ride this out for one more year and try to come back next summer. Hey, Bert, what you got? What do I got? Yeah, so I was – the number one thing that I was kind of looking at, looking at the Raptors situation, looking ahead to 2020, you got so many guys, even even next summer – with expiring contracts. So I guess considering, uh, I mean, let's just assume you lose Kawhi Leonard, you lose, you lose a bench asset in Danny green. What's the, in your opinion, what's the, what's going to be the plan for beyond 2020 with this team? Uh, assuming that you can't retain a lot of those assets next year and assuming a lot of those guys walk. Yeah, I I think it's to build around Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi. Pascal Siakam is a little bit older than most people think. He's actually like 25 years old at this point. So he's 
kind of entering his prime here, but he picked up basketball later, and I think that you can kind of project a realistic amount of development out of his game. Um, him, OG Ananobi, Norman Powell will still on, be on this team moving forward. And when you look at kind of the small amount of cap space that those three take up, you really should be able to add around there in the summer kind of with free agent pieces. And next summer isn't kind of known for its star power at the top of the class. But I think that the Raptors' plan would be to kind of move and add pieces in during that uh, next free agency period. I, I think they got a good shot, too. You got to look at the Eastern Conference is so wide open. I, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens. Well, no, to be fair, though, with Brooklyn, they're not going to have KD probably next year anyway. So still kind of open. The, replace, the Nets replace Russell with Kyrie. Kyrie didn't do it in Boston. So it'll be interesting to see what he does by himself in a way there. I think Toronto, like you said, is still in good shape. It's just time's going to tell, man. I cannot wait to see what happens with Kawhi. I mean, this this free agency is already going nuts, and you know he gets to be the fashionably late one with all these meetings. Uh, last question I got for you before we wrap it all up: What's the percent chance you think he stays in Toronto? I'm at forty percent right now, so just under fifty. Ooh. I've kind of been hovering around fifty fifty five the past few weeks here, so I think the Lakers kind of adding themselves into this race has changed things a little bit, but I don't think it's kind of overwhelmingly swung the kind of lead out of Toronto's hands. So I'll say 40% right now. Where do you got the other 60? If I could ask you that. Uh, You know, I think it's probably got to be the Clippers at 40%. And I still don't think the Lakers that are going to be the Kawhi team. I could be wrong, but it doesn't feel like he's wanted to play with LeBron kind of this whole time. So I'll say they're down to just a 20% chance at this point. Hey man, 20% says I still got a chance. <laughs> hey Mike, <laughs> thanks so much for jumping on, kicking off this great show we do every year. Uh, plug everything you got to for all of our listeners where they can read your content. Uh, check out more Toronto Raptors content and, and the whole, the whole nine yards with it. Yeah. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Bo sports and then read everything coming out on Raptors, rapture.com. We'll be having kind of opinion-based coverage coming out after every signing, whether that involves the Raptors and then kind of the things that are happening around the East right now, because obviously the landscape of the Eastern Conference is changing as well. So, yeah, check out those two places. Beautiful. Thanks a lot for coming on, Mike. We'll have to talk again soon, all right? Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Mike Bassetti coming in, Raptors getting it in, but obviously – the king of the castles right now, you could almost call it, the team that uh, has come out of nowhere. Evan, this brings us to you, sir. What is going on, and how are you feeling right now in free agency? Hello? Evan, you with us? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was live on the air. Hi, how oh, are you? You're good. You're good, man. Uh, real quick, go ahead and introduce yourself to all my listeners here. All right, my name is Evan DeCruz. I'm a contributor for NothingButNets.com, a subsidiary of Fansided.com. And, uh, um, yeah, there's a lot of excitement going on right now in Brooklyn. Oh, oh, I, I mean, we're sitting here right, right open at this thing. And I, I'm, I'm talking to, I'm talking to the guy, uh, Nick Hagberg, who's, who's helping me steer this ship today. And I go, man, oh, man, I'm glad we're going Brooklyn right away. You guys, yeah, got I'm, Kevin, a, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous about it to be honest with you. Um, you know, I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, the, uh, my, the Nets fan base is 
is going nuts. Half of them are so depressed that we've lost D'Lo. That, that's what looks like it's going to happen. And uh, the other half are, are already celebrating the championship, and I'm in the middle. <laughs> that's what's going on right now. <laughs> so, and, so and let's, I, let's, I think th- th- there's a long way to go to win a championship, and we can get into that. So whenever you, whenever you're ready. <laughs> By the way, uh, somebody tweeted the Knicks need to move to Seattle. That is hilarious. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not one of the Nets fans that hates the, the Knicks franchise. I don't believe it's a real rivalry. We compete in the same market, but um, it's not a real rivalry on the court. And I, I don't have any animosity towards the Knicks fans or their management. So we can go from there. See, you're, you're way more polite. I, you know, we're, we're out in Minnesota here, but I, I've been a Lakers fan because Minneapolis Lakers, we didn't have a team, and I can't stand the Clippers. So I guess it kind yeah, of – Yeah, I, 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 I focus on my own team. I try not to hate on other teams. That's my, my position. I try to stay really focused in on the Nets, and um, I'd, like to, I'd like to go there if you'd like. Yeah, let's do it. So, so what's your mindset? You get KD, you get Kyrie, DeAndre Jordan's there, Garrett Temple even jumps in for a nice little two-year, $10 million contract. What's your stance starting this, this offseason now? Okay, well, the, the star power is definitely there. In a nutshell, the Nets championship uh, hopes all hinge on the most expensive Achilles in sports history. That's the way I'm looking at it, because from all the reports that I've read is that next year or the upcoming, net, the upcoming Brooklyn season will be a redshirt year for Durant. So it's unlikely that he'll suit up at all in the 2019 season. With that in mind, uh, we have to pivot to look at the rest of the roster. So we got Kyrie, which is an upgrade over D'Angelo Russell. Um, but I do have some concerns about Kyrie. I have concerns about his ability to, to lead a team. It didn't work out in Boston. They were a one seed before acquiring him, um, a two seed after, and then regressed down to a four seed, and he had a terrible playoffs. And I, I would just like to give a shout-out really quick to uh, Danny Percaro Jr., who's going to come on your show and talk about the Celtics. But I spoke to him prior to coming on, and uh, I asked him, I said, you know, so what's going on? Because um, once I heard Kyrie was a done deal, um, I started looking into it, and I wanted to know what went wrong in Boston and what are the Nets in for. So, you know, uh, it was soft-pedaled in the media that, you know, it was blame was all around. It wasn't just Kyrie's fault. But according to the conversation I had, it, it all pointed back to Kyrie being the main problem in Boston. So I have concerns about Kyrie coming to Brooklyn with the young core intact and how that, that chemistry is going to work because – with D'Angelo, even though you know he's a, marginally a, a lesser player statistically than uh, than uh, Kyrie, he already had a developed chemistry with the team. He was a fan favorite here, and I'm not saying that D'Lo was going to lead us to a championship or anything like that. But when you look long term, you know Kyrie's 27, D'Lo's only 23. Uh, in four years, D'Angelo Russell's going to be 27, and he's trending up. It looks like he's only going to get better. So. From a management perspective, when you look at the asset management, um, you know, the, the Brooklyn Nets are all in. In four years, Kyrie's value is not going to be as high as D'Angelo Russell's, barring any major injuries. I'm also concerned about Kyrie and his uh, – uh, I think I've looked up his stat. I think he only plays 63 and a half games per year. So, you know, that's, that's a lot of games missed on average because he, he has a propensity to get injured. So, you know, um, if you want me to project outwards next season, I don't see the Nets being much better than they were this season because 
Durant will be out most likely for the majority of next season. However, and also another concern I have is we just added DeAndre Jordan, which is kind of like the Ed Davis replacement, but we still have a, we still have a problem at power forward. We don't have a legitimate post player on offense. That deeply concerns me. Um, post play, even though it's trending out of the league to, towards the stretch fours, um, you know, we still have unknowns there. We, we don't have a post player, and we have an unknown. Uh, we, don't have, we have an unknown at the stretch four, unless Torian Prince is going to turn into that. But he, he, it's still the jury is out on if that's going to happen. So, like I said, uh, next year is, it's, it's uncertain. I don't think the Nets will be more than high, higher than a five or four seed, or may, if they're lucky to even be there. And then after that, really, it's all going to be, you know, weighted on bated breath every step that Durant takes as he's eased back. So people have to understand, you know, I looked into Achilles injuries, and, you know, it's, they're rare injuries, but they are, you know, career-altering injuries. So from what I read, um, when a player returns from an Achilles injury, they're placed on a minutes restriction. So um, Kevin Durant, I think, has played over something like 36,000 minutes in his NBA career, and he's coming off one of the worst possible injuries ever. So uh, I think you have to take a look at, you know, that minute restriction. Is he going to be on 28 minutes per game? Most likely he's going to be resting on the tail end of back-to-backs. So when you mix that in with Kyrie and his, you know, it's still a little dicey. I think Nets fans should be very excited, but at the same time, they should be cautiously optimistic. This is no guarantee to get a championship, but it is great. It's a great business move, in my opinion. You know, ticket sales will be up, jersey sales will be up, shoe deals will be up. It's a great business move. It puts the Nets on the map, but... And then you have to once once you get over that, you have to look at the logistics of what the team will actually do on the court, and that's pretty much where you know I, I focus in. And I'll, I'll I'll give you a pause if you have any questions from there. Yeah, I'll jump in. Uh, yeah, you answered a lot of a lot of what I had for you right there, um, and I think it's interesting you talk about the you talk about more of the concern side of it, where obviously if you're a Mets fan or a Nets fan, rather, the, the years of having to put up with a guy like Billy King running your franchise. Oh, of I mean, course. That was the worst trade, I, I, one of the worst trades in NBA history, yeah. Exactly, and this has to be a refreshing thing for you. But, but looking ahead, um, let's say Kevin Durant doesn't recover from that Achilles injury. Because yeah, all, uh, ultimately, ultimately, you're gambling. I mean, oh, you're yeah. putting all, all your chips in on that Achilles injury. Oh, yeah. I 100% agree. That's why I'm cautiously optimistic. That's why I said that right. we should not be celebrating as if we won a championship yet. Um, so, all right, more to that point is, so a lot of Nets fans, what I've been hearing is they're saying things like this. Uh, if Kevin Durant returns and he's 80% of his former self, he's still a top 10 player in the league just based on his shooting prowess. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that notion. I think, you know, Durant, is a great player, obviously, all around. But if he loses his explosiveness, you really have to worry. You know, the NBA is not just, you know, uh, glitz and glamour. There's a lot of dirty work and gritty work you have to put in to win a championship. There's a lot of sliding on defense, fighting through screens, boxing out. That's a lot of G-force on an Achilles. And, you know, I think a lot of Nets fans are, uh, are not realizing how hard it is to actually, you know, play, you know, <laughs> so many minutes and, you know, when he does finally return, I think he'll be 32 years old going into the 2020 season, if I'm correct. And then I already mentioned the mileage. It's just going to be, it's going to be nerve-wracking for me because I'm a die-hard Nets fan. I think uh, instead of looking to see if the ball goes in the bucket or if we're, we're defending, I'm going to be watching 
Durant's Achilles. That's what. That's why I'm nervous about it. <laughs> and I think I have a yeah. right to be, you know? Yeah, that's you do. Point. Yeah. And let's say he doesn't return at 80%. What if he's at 70%? Now you're looking at a statistical drop, and he would looking, you'd be looking at 17 points a game, three rebounds, three assists. Uh, that's not going to get us a championship, not in my opinion. And then you have to also look at the cap situation going into next year. Uh, let's say Levert has a great year this year and Prince has a great year this year. The Nets are going to have to go really deep into the pockets and into the luxury tax to retain guys like that. So you're looking at uh, – you know, you're, you you said it right. It's it's an absolute 100% all-in gamble. It's like you're at a casino and you're putting in all your money on the roulette wheel, and that's what it's like, and that's what it feels like. I'm cautiously optimistic. In best-case scenario, um, you know, Dr. O'Malley knows more than we know, did a great job on Durant. The injury's not as serious. Maybe it's not a full tear. Maybe it's not a full rupture. You know, I'm sure Sean Marks had this discussion with the doctor. He wouldn't have done this if he thought it was KD going to come back at 50% or something like that so 80 percent hopefully could get us a championship but if anything higher than that it's great and if that's the case you know great you could just kd if he comes back and he has his explosiveness and the risk of re-injury isn't going to be there then yeah the chances are great for the nets to win a title but like i said you know that's still a wait and see thing and it's still uh, more than a season away like i said the second season with Durant is going to be eased back in. He's not going to just be thrown into the mix and be the Durant that he was prior to the calf injury that he suffered against, I believe it was the Rockets. So we have to keep an eye on that. So last thing I got for you before we let you roll here, um, any smoke to the fire that there's supposedly Boston's trying to get together some three-team deal with you guys and the Hornets uh, with, the, with the Kemba Kyrie, Terry Rozier, a pick going out so they can get a mid-level. Have you heard anything about this? Are you talking about a sign and trade involving D'Angelo Russell? No, no. There's this is something. This just came through like like ten minutes on my end. Celtics okay. were showing interest okay, that, that they want to. Really quick, I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good. I, I that's why I didn't know. It might just be might just be BS. But Celtics showing three teams sign and trade with Kyrie, Kemba, and Rozier to create a full mid level and probably having to give up one of those first to the net. So you'd get another pick I, out of the deal for doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole thing with the with the Russell situation is, if we do some type of sign and trade with him, there's two things to that. We'd get a pick back, and we'd also get a, 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 tr- a player traded exemption, which would help with our salary situation. But getting back to what you said, I've heard that uh, Boston is, is is looking to get Kemba Walker, and I think Terry Rozier is already gone. So I, I think I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I don't know if I misread uh, that. I think that was I, I think that came from Woj. I'm not sure. Yeah, four years, 58 on Rozier. Yeah, just interesting, like, in the midst of all this, somehow the Nets could end up landing another first-round pick after getting all these players. Like, man, it's it's a good well, day. It's Yeah, like, all right, so uh, there's two things I just want to say before I end it. One thing is that, um, okay, so Kevin Durant, five years ago, when he was playing with Russell Westbrook, left that team to go play with Golden State because Westbrook was very ball-dominant. Now, here we are five years later, Durant with a – serious injury is now coming to play with Irving, who's also a ball dominant player. I have concerns about that. Um, Mm. And then the other thing about, uh, what was it? So yeah, okay, so now we have to deal with the aftermath of losing D'Angelo Russell. I just want to make it clear, I'm not, I I was a fan of D'Angelo Russell, but I wasn't in love with him. He had his shortcomings. So the best thing for the Nets right now is if they are, it looks like they're going to lose D'Angelo Russell, the best thing they can do is a sign and trade, take his little salary back, if, you know, maybe nothing, and then get the first round pick and the the, 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 the 
traded player exemption. That's the best possible scenario. And I'll end it on, you know, we wish D'Angelo the best. He was a great player for our franchise. It's sad to see him go, but I understand why Marks made the move. And like I said, cautiously optimistic, hopefully Durant. It really, like I said, it hinges on Durant's Achilles. If he can come back and be 80 to 90% of his former self, (laughs) I'm excited. But like I said, I'm going to have to wait a year or two to see that. It's it's going to be interesting, man. I, I'm excited that th- this happened right away. It's so nice. It really really makes this this great free agency that we knew was going to happen kick off crazy. Um, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah I'll add to that. I, I did not expect Durant to make the decision this quickly. I really didn't. I really didn't. Um, the one thing I'll just add, I know I'm taking up time, but I'll add is that it actually puts Golden State in a pretty good position because now they don't have to offer him that five-year Supermax. So we know Clay is hurt, right? So if so, next year, uh, Golden State can actually get back to what they were doing before Durant got there and build back up their bench, rehab Clay, and they'll still be in the mix as a major contender in a year or two, and that's my opinion. Um, it'll be a tough year for Curry trying to carry the team. So I don't think Golden State will win a championship this year, but now with Durant gone, the cap space that they're going to have, they can really rebuild the team. And with all these free agents available, just imagine who they can get. They're a team to look out for, and I think, you know, in, in, in a year, two years, three years, four years, I don't see much of a drop-off. I think they can still be up there competing for titles, and the Nets might have to be the ones to beat them now if Durant is healthy. That could be interesting. <laughs> That could be really interesting. And how heartbreaking would it be if Golden State beat us? I think I don't know how I'd wake up the next morning. I'd have to say <laughs> that would be heartbreaking. That would rip the heart right out of my chest. Oh, man. KD gets beat by, by the Warriors again. Uh, <laughs> hey, plug everything you got, man. I don't want to end it on that negative. I just want to end it on KD comes back 100% and defeats the Warriors. Let's leave it at that. There you okay? go, man. And the Easter Conference gets a ring again, finally. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be excited. I'm trying to be excited, but it's just, it's like I said, I still have to wait a year or two. You know, people are acting like Durant's going to come back and play next season. That's not the case. It's, this is just, it's like a, and here's the other thing. I did some of the math with KD's contract. He's, with, with not playing in the first year, his three year contract is, is $54.6 million a year for three years. That's tremendous for a player coming off an Achilles injury. That's got to be scary. <laughs> That's if I'm a GM, I'm scared of that. That's a lot of money. Yeah, we'll yeah, you're see, not we'll wrong. See how it goes. Best the look, the best of luck to Brooklyn. You know, to the fans that are excited and happy about it. You know, I'm all the more power to you. Um, I'll be, I'll be covering them, and um, I'll be watching them. And the last thing I'll say is I just want to give a shout-out to uh, my editor, Phil Watson. He's great. Anyone who wants really good Nets views or opinions, he's on nothing but Nets. He's amazing. Beautiful. Plug, plug, plug anything you want to, any Twitter, any other websites, anything you got before we let you roll, sir? No, I'm, I'm Evan DeCruz, at Evan DeCruz on Twitter. I'm not hard to find. I'm afraid I'm going to get killed by all the Nets fans that are excited right now, but I had to be honest with you. I wasn't <laughs> going to come on the show. I wasn't going to come on the show and be dishonest. That's my honest opinion. You're free to disagree. Just don't call me names. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks for calling us. Glad we had your time today, sir. Uh, Thanks no a lot. problem. I hope you have. I hope you have me back someday. Thanks a lot. Oh, we will be in touch. We'll All be right. in touch. That was uh. Yeah. De- well, yeah, yeah, we'll definitely. Well, yeah, we'll definitely have him back on now that his team is relevant. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, when we we bring up the we're just waiting on uh Ben Beacon, friend of the show. He was uh, always been on Sportscast here before. Um. When he brought up the uh, the D'Angelo Russell thing, all I could, all I could think about is the the Swaggy P uh, famous line. Came a long way, haven't I? 
I went from getting snitched on to put a ring on. I'm a champ. It's time to get the right. But now, now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to do the hometown to be the hometown homers. Ben, you with us, sir? I think it's oh, it's it's Buffer. Yep. There we go, Ben. What's going on, sir? Not a whole lot. How are you guys? Oh, it is a pleasure talking some talking some wolves. It's something that we always love here. Real quick, for all of our uh, listeners that maybe hadn't heard you last time we had you on, plug, uh, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself to our new fans. Yeah, uh, I'm one of the, the psycho experts at Dunking with Wolves, um, which is the, the fan-sided um, Timberwolves blog. I've um, been there for, I don't know, like six years or so. So, yeah. It's it's always a pleasure, sir. I love talking Timberwolves. Me and my me and my co-host tonight, Nick Hager, we're going to be all, we're just alternating questions for the time that we have you on. And immediately... With the Nets now getting Kyrie Irving, D'Angelo Russell is suddenly available. What's the latest, man? Are the Wolves getting them? Are they going for it hard? Yeah, I mean the last the last thing that I think was out there publicly was that the I think it was Mark Stein of the New York Times that was saying that the that the Timberwolves are his preference for where to go. Um, obviously, the difference is the Lakers have cap space and the Timberwolves don't. Um, so you know, there's a, you know the the easy answer is if they can move probably Andrew Wiggins um, and or Jeff T. Gorgie Jang, probably at least one of the three, or certainly at least one of the three, maybe two of the three, then it sounds like they'll get him. Um, it's just a matter of can they do it all right away. And, and the other report we'd seen this weekend was that Russell had a meeting with the Wolves for right away when free agency started, um, which, which leads everybody to believe that the Wolves probably have a deal in place to clear the necessary cap space. Otherwise, Russell wouldn't have taken the meeting. Um, cause the Lakers, they made that trade with the, I think it was with the Nets earlier this week and freed up cap space. So, um, you know, it, I would say it's probably more likely than not. And the Lakers and Wolves are the only two teams that we'd heard that had interests, um, unless the Nets were going to bring them back, which we know now that they're not. So, um, yeah. Hey, but what you got sir? Yeah. Just kind of going off of that point. Uh, the thing that really stood out to me, just a couple, actually just, it's, been rumored the whole week, but it became just official just within the last half hour that Derek Rose signing with the Detroit Pistons. And mm-hmm. then you hear about, and, and then you hear about Tyus Jones having the alleged Skype meeting <laughs> starting at five yeah. o'clock. Um, well, for one, just kind of going to that, how do you think that situation will play out? Because what really concerns me the most there is if you know, you don't have Tyus Jones. You're essentially left with Jeff Teague as your only serviceable point guard. Um, I guess kind of how do you how do you see that situation playing out? Yeah, that's probably the biggest question. Well, I mean, outside of obviously the D'Angelo Russell thing, but that's probably the biggest question mark <laughs> um, is, you know, like you said, they don't have anybody under contract except for Jeff Teague in one year and $19 million, And that's obviously a contract they'd like to move. But, you know, Teague's now 31, going to be 32 soon, coming off the worst year of his career. Obviously, he was injured. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me. My guess is that the preference is to, to trade him and get D'Angelo, and then they'll sign a veteran. There's plenty of – point guards is one of those positions where there's there's probably enough point guards for every team to have three decent point guards is what it seems like. I mean, the Wolves had four at one point last year. I mean, Jared Bayless is – he's not great, but he's still – you know, he deserves to be on a roster. Um, and if you count Rose as a point guard, the Wolves had four for most of last year. Um, so 
I'm not too concerned. If they get Russell, they can find a decent backup. That's not a big deal. If they don't get Russell, um, then they're in a tricky spot. I mean, obviously you'd have Jeff Teague, but you'd, you know, beyond next year, I, I don't know who's among the point guards that are out there. I don't know who's going to be a free agent in 2020, um, you know, because maybe they, they use, they keep Teague this year, get a cheap backup, and then they look ahead to 2020 to try and get a big name on the free agency market or try and trade for somebody at the deadline. But yeah, that's a big question mark. I mean, they've got plenty of wings now. Um, I guess the other one is they don't have a, they don't have a starting, they don't have any power forwards on the team. It's just, uh, Towns and Gorgie Jang are the only two big men. Um, so that's the other the other big question. And and it looks like too Malcolm Brogdon just go a uh, four year eighty five million with the Pacers. So that's another point guard off the off the team or off the off the availability well, list. And if I could just jump in the the, uh, the there was a report this morning. I think it was Darren Wolfson uh, Doogie Wolfson with uh, ESPN Twin Cities who said that the Wolves actually their backup to D'Angelo Russell was Ricky Rubio and that they had planned to create a recruiting video to try and get him to come back to Minnesota and everything. And then Rubio's agent told him, thanks, but no thanks. You know, we're headed likely to Indiana. Um, and then I, it just broke since I called you guys. That, <laughs> Mark Stein uh, did Rubio's it. Now, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Rubio is going to, to Phoenix now. So um, <laughs> it's interesting wow. that, that all that happened pretty, pretty quickly, but there we go. Man. You know, Hagberg, you said it twice. I've said it once. I'm going to say it again. 5 p.m. free agency rules. <laughs> this is, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. I, I have, I have doing monitors, a laptop, and my phone going, trying to keep up with all of this with a Word document while doing these these conversations. This is the hardest and most exciting thing I've ever done. And and I I I could do this daily. This is this is incredible. Um, Couple teams that I had heard, and the, the Rubio thing to Phoenix now makes it a little little more interesting. Um, I think I may have saw this from your uh, your website's Twitter. Uh, Phoenix, the Knicks, Hornets, Kings, and Bulls could be suitors for Wiggins. If we yeah, move I mean, Wiggins, I gotta. What's up? Sorry, go ahead. If if we were to move Wiggins, how much extra are we gonna have to stack on to give somebody that contract? Yeah, I mean, I'd be willing to bet that they're able to to move him without adding anything, which I wouldn't have maybe thought even just a couple months ago. But it sure sounds like there's been a lot of chatter that that you know, from Zach Lowe at ESPN and and some others that um, that there are some teams that still see Wiggins as a positive asset, um, which is a little surprising given the contract. Um, I would say a lot surprising actually. Um, this uh, five or six teams that threw out there on Twitter are are basically just educated guesses based on teams that have a track record of, of making not great decisions that might have cap space and uh, you know, we'll need to sell some hope to their fans and, and Wiggins, you know, is still only 23 and there's still obviously some upside um, and was recently a rookie of the year first overall pick. So those are the teams that, that seem like they could be a match. Um, so I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I mean, Wiggins started, you know, Gerson uh, Rosas's uh, initial press conference in May he was talking about, you know, about being excited to have Wiggins on the team, and it sure seemed like they were going to give it a run with him. Um, you know, who, who knows how much of that was lip service, trying to bump up his value a little bit. But it sure seems like they would be okay with having him for another year, um, especially if he has some trade value now and it just doesn't all come together. And, and say Russell says, never mind, I'm going to go with the Lakers, then maybe it's not worth trading him in Rosas' mind if, if he thinks they can unlock him, you know, with the new coaching staff and all that. Um, and obviously playing for a full year for Ryan Saunders, who, who Wiggins obviously really likes. Um, but my bet is that they're, they're 
probably it's going to be a lot easier to trade Wiggins than it would be to trade Gorgie Jang, I think. Um, and it's probably Fair. not all that much more difficult than it would be to trade Jeff Teague, even though it's only one year, it's still 19 million. So my guess is that if they're going to get Russell, it's Wiggins that gets traded. What What do you think? What do you think the odds are? You think if you had to put a percent on it, what do you think we're seeing D'Lo in Minnesota here? Ooh, um, I would say 60%, um, just based on the lack of chatter for any other teams. And because we know that he, well, based on a report, he re, he would prefer to be in Minnesota than with the Lakers. Um, however, I will say that the one thing that's making me a little nervous is that teams are chewing up their cap space quick. And if the Wolves are going to dump contracts, there aren't that many teams that have room anymore. Um, uh, Indiana just signed Jeremy Lamb, and it looks like they're trading for Malcolm Brogdon, so they're not going to have any cap space either. Um, not that they were a potential destination, but um, the Knicks are like the only team, and, and it seems pretty Knicksy for them to trade for Wiggins, um, <laughs> given that they're missing out on all the max guys um, or the free agent max guys. So um, I don't know. I mean, I would still say it's probably better than 50-50 just because it really seems like the Wolves are putting all their eggs in the D'Angelo Russell basket, and it seems like he he is reciprocating that and, and really wants to be with his buddy, Kat, um, and wants to be the number two guy on a team instead of the number three guy on on a LeBron-led team. So I would say it's probably still better than 50-50. I like it. I like it. Ben, thanks for coming on last minute like this. Plug everything you got here before we let you roll. Yeah, absolutely. I would say, you know, just definitely DuncanWithWolves.com, our Twitter account. Um, we're, uh, you know, obviously all over everything that's happening today. Even if the Wolves don't do anything tonight, we'll be reacting to everything, um, you know, over the next 24 hours or so. Um, and then uh, my Twitter account is at Beacon, B-E-C-K-E-N. And um, there's a, a few of us that write for the site that uh, you'll see on there that we'll be, we'll be plugging all of our stuff. So, um, yeah, give us a follow. Hey, man, appreciate it once again. Last minute jumping on with us. Had to get the Wolves coverage, so I'm glad you came through with it. Well, uh, we'll talk soon. All right, thanks, man. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, Ben Beacon, talking with Wolves here. I believe I saw Christian Evans hop in there for a second. Believe it was him. Uh, let's let's go straight into it. Uh, Christian, that you? Yes, it's me. Hey, Christian, welcome to the show. I appreciate you jumping in. Go ahead and introduce yourself to all my listeners. Uh, My name's Christian. I write for Blue Man Hoop. I'm uh, running the show from the UK, and it's great to be on on the show. Man, I I guess we got to go right into it, something we kind of knew but didn't know. KD left. You heartbroken? Oh, absolutely. It's a massive blow for the Warriors. I mean, coming in in 2016-17, it got us back to the top after that uh, devastating loss to Cleveland after leading the series 3-1. And I mean, we're not going to be able to replace KD unless we can attract Kawhi, and that's impossible considering our cap situation. So we're just going to have to try and find someone with the mid-level to hopefully just do a job. So what's what's the plan now? No KD what do, what do you see next for this this free agency year? It's going to be very difficult. I mean, uh, it's difficult to predict. Like I said, the next dominoes fall is obviously Kawhi, and it's uh, between the Raptors and the Clippers, in my opinion. But hopefully, for the Warriors' sake, uh, he goes. He stays with the Raptors. <laughs> yeah, keep him over there. <laughs> <laughs> right, Absolutely. right. He- 
Hey, so I'll just jump in here. Uh, considering you lost KD, uh, obviously re-signing Clay Thompson. I don't know if it's official yet. I, I think I read it was a pretty much a done deal with that, giving them the extension for five years, I believe. Um, yeah. Where correct. do you where do you see the Warriors, or where do you see your team next year? Uh, obviously, no Kevin Durant, no Clay Thompson, and we saw uh, we saw how bad they were on the court without those two. Where do you see the Warriors, and could they possibly miss the playoffs next year? Very possible. I mean, it seems like Dallas, they're improving. They've got Porzingis now. He's just extended. Him and Donkic are going to be a great combination. I mean, Sacramento were close to making the playoffs last year. Minnesota are going to be a decent team, I reckon. So it's going to be very hard for the Warriors to make the playoffs. Uh, I missed out the Lakers there. They'll likely be in the playoffs. So it's possible the team that's just won the Western Conference could miss the playoffs. I mean, not perfect <laughs> at all. Absolutely unthinkable. It's nuts. It's it's mind-boggling how, you know, we've been we've been doing this for forty minutes, and arguably the landscape has changed where the Eastern Conference suddenly, whether it be next year or the following, has has a powerhouse, and this might be the first year we you know Vegas doesn't have Golden State the obvious winner of this uh, of, of this whole thing. Um, is there any like what's the timetable on Clay coming from this injury? Is there anything that's come out yet for it? According to some reports, it's possible Clay could return in late February, early March. But uh, who's to say the Warriors will be in postseason contention by that point? I mean, the bench suffered last year from a lack of shooting, and it was basically on the trio of Curry, Durant, and Thompson to get all the points. One of those guys is in Brooklyn, and Clay's going to be injured for most of the season. It's a, a lot to ask for Steph to do it. it really Does is. I mean, Draymond's going to have Steph up, Dallas going to have Steph up, and uh, someone else has got to make a contribution. Do you bring back Boogie? The maximum the Warriors can offer, I believe, is around six point four million. Or something in the region of that. So he's probably going to get better offers elsewhere. I mean, it's rumored the Knicks are going to be uh, offering him a deal. I'd like to see the Warriors bring him back, but uh, I'm not holding my breath on that one. It's man, it's just it's so crazy how everything has changed. Like the landscape has completely shifted. Where the, you know we we have a wide open a wide-open league, finally. Um, Nick, what else you got on the Warriors front here? Yeah, I was just going to talk about the whole uh, DeMarcus Cousins. And obviously, I believe, I believe Looney still has to be re-signed, if you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, yeah, that's correct. Right, yeah. So, I, I think that's my biggest concern with, with that team next year. I guess, what do you – I mean – I mean, what can you possibly do with the whole, with, with your, you know, with the big men? I mean, you got to consider watching them during the NBA finals. uh, It was just always a struggle. It looked like between whether they wanted to go big with cousins, whether they wanted to go small with Looney, but now essentially if you lose those two, you're going to be forced to play small ball. um, Unless, 
you can possibly bring in more. Uh, so I guess, I, I guess, how do you kind of see that playing out in terms of next year, maybe the year after? Because uh, really, I just see that as the biggest hole for Golden State right now. Even with Looney last year, the Warriors had a problem at the center position. They wanted to bring in Robin Lopez early earlier this year, but he and the Bulls couldn't arrange a buyout. So they had to roll with Andrew Bogut, and his limitations were exposed in the finals. And they won't be looking to do something. Sorry, won't be looking to do something like that. Do something like that again. Uh, but uh, I agree with what say. I think uh, bringing Kevon Looney is absolutely crucial. He played with a collarbone injury during those finals, and if anyone's earned money this off season, I'm going to sound ridiculous, but I think it's him. He came into the league as the 30th overall pick, and nobody expected him to do much, if anything. And he's now been he's now become a foundational piece, quoting Steve Kerr. But I I echo echo those words. Yeah, totally man, agree with that. Oh, I can't wait, man! I cannot wait whatsoever. Uh, Christian, man, thank you so much for jumping in with us here. we got to keep rolling. Uh, this is the fast. I, I, I said this to Ben Beacon, who was just on before you jumped in. This is the fastest I've ever done a radio show where every 10 minutes I have something, another topic we have to get into while having two monitors, a laptop, and a cell phone trying to write and and get, just keep all this information. Um, having, having guys like you come on today is just a blessing, and it makes my job at Nick so much easier. So thank you once again so much for coming on. Before I let you go, plug everything you got so all of our listeners can, you know, can check out your writing, your site, the whole nine yards. Okay. You you want to plug your Twitter website, anything like that? Uh, yeah, my Twitter is at Mr. Evans Sports. Follow me for all the latest news on sports, uh, North American sports. I have a I have a website in the UK that's exclusive to NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB. Anything I can get my hands on. That's the North American Weekly. WordPress. Dot com. Hey, man, thank you so much for coming in, dude. It was it was a pleasure, and we'll talk again soon, all right? The pleasure is mine. All right. Christian Evans coming in here, knocking that. Hey, Nick, it just keeps going. It just keeps going, baby. Lucas, you with us? Yes, I'm right here. Awesome. Go ahead uh, introduce yourself to all our listeners there. Hi, I'm Lucas Johnson. I'm a co-site expert at the Sixer Sense, affiliated with Fansighted. It's, it's, uh, it's, I, I'm glad you came on. Uh, we, we kind of got this late put together. This thing has just been flying. These slots are filled up. We, Nick, uh, well, I thought we had a little more time at the end. It looks like Sacramento's jumping in on this too, uh, in the second hour. So get ready for that one. Um, All right. but I wanted to talk six or so bad because, you know, you guys were one shot away from potentially making a run at this whole thing. The Kawhi shot happened. It was what it was. Jimmy Butler, and Tobias Harris to the talk of the town. It sounds like money's going to get thrown around. Now we've, we haven't seen anything. J.J. Reddick's out the door. What's kind of the mindset going right now? Sixers camp, Lucas. Well, I'm going to tell you right now that losing J.J. was a big blow, but for the money that the Pelicans gave him, even if, you know, it would be a lot for the Sixers to overcome and try to pay J.J. because it was two uh, two years for – 26.5 million that averages out of to around 13 
$25 million a year, which is a lot for a 35-year-old uh, yeah. shooting guard that can't defend. I don't know if I would match that if I was Elton Brand either, to be honest. Uh, so that, that, But his offensive contribute, uh, contributions can't be ignored. I think with with what I've seen right now is that they are, are Elton Brand is talking with Rich Paul, who is Ben Simmons' agent, about an extension, which personally I don't think that would be the biggest priority at this moment. I think the biggest priority is either trying to, uh, re, you know, re-signing Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler. But Butler right now, it seems to be he's open to the possibility of actually leaving, taking conversations with teams like the Miami Heat and possibly the Houston Rockets who are interested in doing signing trades because they can't outright sign him to a max contract. Out of those two, I think the Sixers would be better served to do a signing trade with Miami Heat because they have more valuable assets with players like Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow, maybe throw in a first-round pick or maybe get the Heat's first-round pick this past year, which was Tyler Harrow, a really good three-point shooter, I think, that who could potentially fill J.J. Reddick's role that he had this past season. I think those are – I think if the Sixers can't get Butler to resign, I think that he would be a good place to do a signing trade. Um, you know, Tobias Harris, he's meeting with the Sixers right now. or He started his meeting with them at 6 o'clock uh, Eastern Standard Time. And um, so I think hopefully the Sixers can come away, give him the full max, you know, maybe if he really – if Adam Sweetener promised to sign Boban Marjanovic, I, I'm joking there. They can't actually – I don't believe they can do that. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, because him and Toby have been best friends, I wouldn't be surprised if – if Toby comes back, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Boban uh, Marjanovic come back. So I think there's a chance that if – so I think there's a chance there. Overall, I think it's a wait-and-see game because I believe both Harris and uh, – Butler want to review their options, but based off of what you, uh, as you opened up with the last, you know, the miracle shot by Kawhi, it would be wise just to run it back, but there are financial, obli- you know, implications for that as well. So I, for the Sixers ownership, so I guess it kind of, we got to have to wait and see and kind of feel out where they're coming from there. Yeah. So I'll just jump in. Uh, I, I read a report just uh, the other actually yesterday that there was a mystery team apparently out there. I don't know if you heard about this. That was willing to offer Al Horford over a hundred over a hundred million in a contract. Could be the Sixers. And I and I heard there were some rumors about Al Horford and the Sixers possibly being linked. I guess what are your thoughts on that? And if you've heard anything about that? Well, obviously, if that were to happen, the Sixers would have to lose out on either Harris or Butler or both in order for Horford to be a real option there. Um, if Horford does become a uh, does become a player in that, and I believe the actual contract size was uh, one uh, 112 million for four years, um, that's a long contract for a guy that's turning 34 years old, 30 who's 33 right now. My mistake. He's 33 years old. He, he, he's been a versatile defender. Nobody can argue that. He's been one of the most better glue guy veterans that an NBA locker room could have. So I'm not – I can't bust him on that. And, you know, as of right now, he'd be a good fit at the four spot next to Embiid. can spell him, uh, you know, when Embiid goes to the bench. And then if Embiid gets injured, God forbid, he can step in as the starting center. So there's a lot of 
upside with that, and Horford can spread the floor defense fours right now. You know, he's a solid passer. He would add even more length to the Sixers' already tall team. So there's a lot to like with Al Horford in the immediate future, maybe in the first two years of that contract. But I, I, I think it's unrealistic to believe Horford's going to be able to defend power forwards all four of those years of that contract. He'll be 37 by the time that contract would be up. So there's a lot of, you know, it, it, then he'd become the primary backup for Embiid. And I don't know if you want to be paying that type of money for a backup for Embiid. So I don't, I think if they, I think there's a lot of risk with that move, but it's definitely a win now move. Like windows open for two years with that contract before they would either have to move on it or he would start to decline. So what do you, what's going on with Tobias Harris here? I know we've kind of talked about, you know, the Jimmy Butler with the sign and trade deal, if that happens, which I still think is just odd for a team like Houston anyway to do, but that's beside the point. You know, there's a couple, we're out in Minnesota here and there's a couple fans and a couple of tidbits that I've heard that, you know, if, if Minnesota can move Teague, Dang, and, and Wiggins, you know, they w- might try to be a player for Tobias Harris. What's going on with this guy? Because I feel like he's such a such an undervalued player in this NBA that every time somebody talks to him, they're just kind of like, ah, it's just Tobias Harris. I feel like he's better than that. Am I crazy? What's the deal? Well, I've always been a Tobias Harris fan. I, uh, From what I understand about the Minnesota point and trying to move some contracts to open up a max law, I believe – the Timberwolves, from what I've been hearing, are targeting targeting D'Angelo Russell, especially now that Kyrie yep. and Kevin Durant, uh, Durant are going to the Nets. With Harris, I don't see him as an – I mean, he'd be a nice fit in Minnesota. I, I know that he's been linked to the Nets, but now the Nets have KD, so there's no point of him <laughs> going there, uh, to be completely honest. Um, so the Nets were, from what I understand, were the biggest threat – to Harris, I mean, there's always rumors that he might go back to the Clippers and re-sign with them, which he could. He theoretically could. I think he just goes for the security and money because he's been moved around so much. Max contract, five years. I don't think he turns that down if the Sixers offer it, and I believe the Sixers will offer that. Hey, what yeah. you got? Yeah, I was just going to jump in. I think – we kind of talked about two scenarios here. You talked about the Al Horford scenario. We talked about obviously if obviously Al Horford's off the table if they sign Harris, but I guess in the event that you sign Tobias Harris, I guess what are you looking for from your perspective in the next few years out of this team? Because like uh, I don't know if you were listening to a segment before, we were talking about how the landscape of the NBA has changed. It now appears, I mean, just in the last two hours, the Eastern Conference is now the powerhouse of the NBA. Um, And and I guess I just kind of look at, obviously, still have Ben Simmons, still have Joel Embiid, but it feels like you're still missing that extra piece to compete with some of the other teams. So I guess what are you kind of looking at from your perspective? Well, I'm I'm looking at the long-term picture, I guess, for me personally. I know that, you know, the Sixers went all in this season going for Butler and Harris. And that was, you know, it, it proved almost to be worth it because they were literally in a shot away from possibly winning an NBA title. I think when you look at it, they still have a nice young core behind Simmons and Embiid. You've got, 
you know, ultra-defensive athletes and players like Zaire Smith, Matisse Steibel, and Jonah Bolden. That's still a good rotation right there that will win, that will keep you in games, defensively anyway. And maybe they still need to develop offensively, but defensively that rotation is solid just of those first- and second-year players. I think working under the assumption, let's say, for example, that – Jimmy Butler leaves and he signed. He we do a sign and trade with the Miami Heat. They get players that package that I mentioned earlier. That's that package, and then you keep T- Tobias Harris. That package could still put you at the top of the East, especially with Boston looking like they're going to take a step back and kind of embrace their youth movement a little bit more. Uh, the Nets, Kyrie's proven that he can't lead a team deep into the playoffs by himself and. Kevin Durant won't be playing next year. I'm I'm almost certain of that based off the Achilles injury. I don't think that that if he does, it's going to be late in the playoffs if they if the Nets get that far, and I don't think they get that far without him. So really, the only threat that you have in the East is the Pacers, who they've been making some good moves. I'm not going to lie, and then you have the Toronto Raptors if Kawhi resigns. If Kawhi resigns, he could very well go to either Los Angeles team. So. Even with the core of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, that's still a scary team in the East, especially when you consider that the Nets won't be complete until next year. So it's interesting. It's crazy, man. Yeah, that's a valid point too. Um, just and it almost makes you think that this may be the year for Philadelphia, considering all those things with Durant and you know obviously you know Kyrie and his the question marks with him leading a team. And I, I totally agree and on board with you on that. It's dude. It's going to be interesting, man. I, I can't wait for this season. I can't wait to continue this. I mean, we're just now wrapping up our one guys. It's been, it's been bonkers chaos. And I, and I couldn't, I couldn't have it any other way. <laughs> it's been great. Hey, Lucas, thanks for coming on late minute, last minute with us like this. It's been a pleasure. My head's spinning because these, these interviews are just going to keep rolling through here. Um, before I let you go, the man, plug everything you got so all of our listeners can read your stuff and, and uh, where you write for. Uh, uh, all right, I can definitely do that. And just guys, remember, check me out at the Sixer Sense, uh, affiliated with the fan cited. And I hope to hear from you guys very soon again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll be talking again here because it's free agency. When, when we start rolling out these team rosters, I can't wait, man. Uh, it's been a pleasure, sir. We'll chat soon. Thanks a lot. All right. All right. Talk to you later, guys. All right. We we just keep it rolling here. They, you know, he brought up the Celtics not being a powerhouse anymore. Donnie, does that bother you? What do you, what do you got to say, repping your team, man? <laughs> hey, am I on? Yeah, yeah, Donnie, go, uh, welcome, welcome. Real quick, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself to all my listeners. All right, well, my name is Don Picaro. I write for Hardwood Houdini as well as WTP Sports and a few other sites. Uh, I have a radio show, the Don and D'Angelo show, that airs from – it usually changes different times, but uh, right now we're still working on getting an air date starting back up in September, so I'll be doing that. And, uh, yeah, I've been writing for the Celtics for about four years now. That's what I like hearing, man. I'm, I'm excited. This free agency is, is going bonkers. 
right off the bat, we knew you guys got Kemba Walker. Kyrie was probably going out the door. What was your thoughts? Were you excited about Kemba? You know, I am excited about Kemba. Kyrie, we know Kyrie's the better player in the deal, but in regards to just, you know, the whole the whole locker room was a mess last year. It really was from from really the whole team. And it started with Kyrie Irving. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they all had their differences, and they all kind of had things that they could have done better, but it started with the leadership. And I think by getting Kemba, you're getting – a better Jalen Brown, a better Jason Tatum. And ultimately, that's what the Celtics are going to try to do to win is build their team around those guys. I think Kemba is just kind of, you know, I don't think they're looking at Kemba as more of a, okay, he's going to be your number one guy on a championship. He's going to be there, and you hope that Jason Tatum develops into the star that he's going to be and Jalen Brown develops into the star that he – I mean, I think Jalen Brown's going to be a stud. A lot of people kind of question that, but I think he definitely has a lot of potential as well. Yeah, so I'll jump in here. Yeah, 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 I got you. So I'll jump in here. Um, so you keep talking about the young core and the, and the young players, but but we also see a lot of uh, we'll see a lot of Eastern Conference teams just in the last couple hours, really kind of re- revamping their rosters. So I guess from a long term perspective, would you rather see the Celtics build around that young core, or would you rather kind of see them? trying to elevate themselves in the short term to compete with those teams like the Nets, like the Sixers. And I mean, don't get, don't get me wrong. I would, if this team consisted of Kyrie Irving, who wasn't a cancer to the locker room, as well as, you know, Al Horford coming back and getting a couple guys on free agency, I would have loved that in the first place, but it wasn't going to happen. So at this point, I think it's building around the youth and, also trying to compete. I know it's tough to do both, but as for Boston, I mean, do what you got to do, but don't take away that young core. You know, you have Jalen Brown, you have Jason Tatum, do what you got to do to keep those guys on the team. Keep the, you know, I'd say keep the picks unless they talked about that three team sign and trade earlier. I believe there was just a report that that's now off the table. And my guess is because Danny Ainge didn't want to give up that Memphis pick along with probably a few other reasons, but that's a pick that a lot of people look at as valuable. To me personally, I don't see it as too much value. It's top six protected next year, and then it's unprotected the year after that. But I mean, look what happened with the Kings pick that was supposed to go to that was that went to the Celtics this year. That was supposed to be yeah. a top five pick, and I mean, you really just that that messed up everything. The Kings were good out of nowhere. They had their best year. I think it was in thirteen seasons. That was the highest <laughs> they finished in the lottery, and. It's just it, – it really was just an ultimate pork job. And, you know, that's something that, you know, you don't want to repeat, and that's something that you can repeat. A lot of people think John Morant's going to be the next great point guard in the league. So, if if he turns up and he starts getting hot, then who knows what the Grizzlies can do. And I'm not saying they're going to be anything special, but if that's the number nine, number ten overall pick, is it really worth getting that pick if it means Al Horford's not coming back? I don't know. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I'm, I'm glad you brought up Al Horford. Uh, you know, big talks obviously. Kings. We we just spoke about the Sixers. Dallas has been in the in the know, and you know if the Clippers don't get Kawhi, maybe they are. But a lot of people talking that him going back to Boston is the mystery team in this. You know, is there a lot of smoke to this? Can we see Al Horford just go right back? You know, it, he's always it's the Al Horford situation is one of the strangest situations in a while it's right up there with the Kyrie Irving situation I mean this guy was 
he loved Boston. He was someone that was so happy to be here. He was a great locker room guy. And he was someone that everyone I talked to said he's going to be a lifelong Celtic for the rest of his career. I mean, this came out of nowhere. And the strange thing to me is it seems like he's chasing the money. I mean, Boston, I'm not exactly sure the details of what they offered him. I don't really think anyone is, but it couldn't have been that low where it's going to be a major difference between, you know, in my opinion, they probably wanted something along the lines of like three and 93 and 80, something like that. Whereas some off, some teams going to offer him that extra year, the four year deal, which is I think what Boston wanted to stay away from. But, you know, with Al Horford, it's just weird. We pretty much everyone I talked to said he might take a pay cut to come here. And that's what it looked like he was going to do. And now he's just, gone and it looks like he's chasing the money and if if that's what it is then I'd say let him walk you don't want to give him that big contract because if it does come down to that big contract he's going to be 37 years old making 30 million dollars and from a financial point it's not what you want to do you know it's similar out in Boston we look at the Patriots I mean you look at what that team has done they cut everyone if you're not performing they that's it for you and I think that's what it is with Al Horford like yeah, it's nice that he was there for three years and he was the leader of the team. And he's, at the end of the day, he's the reason why Hayward's here. He's the reason why Irving was traded here. And he's probably the reason why Kemba's here. I mean, we don't sign those free agents. If the Celtics don't sign those guys, I'm not sure Boston's a destination for Kemba. So it's nice what he did the last three years, but it seems like he's chasing the money. And as far as an investment, it's not worth it. It's sad to see him go, but it's just strange that it really came out of nowhere that it's, it's money over Boston right now. It seems like. And uh, Nick, before you jump in here, I got one more thing. I just wanted to throw on there because he mentioned it. And I thought it was a great point. Kyrie and Al Horford mentioned being lifers. You know, Kyrie was like, I can't wait to have my Jersey in the rafters and everything. I want to ask you about, about Kyrie real quick before Nick jumps in. What do you think made that just fall apart? It's, you know, it's the strangest thing. Kyrie Irving, and, you know, here's my thoughts on Irving. When he came to the Celtics, I'm not exaggerating when I say he was my favorite player in the league. And how I judge my favorite players and how I judge someone that I like on my team is someone that steps up in clutch situations, someone that wants the ball in their hands at the final seconds, and someone that says, listen, I have the confidence to go out and prove that I'm going to win a championship with my team, kind of be a leader. And that's everything Kyrie Irving was and more if you look at what he did in Cleveland and then why he said he was coming to Boston. You know, when he asked for that trade out of Cleveland with LeBron, the first thing he, you know, the first reason he gave was he was kind of under LeBron's shadow and he wanted to be that guy. He wanted to lead a team to a championship. And the whole number in the Raptors, he was saying all the right things. And, I mean, this year I think it was a matter of it, – it, Kyrie's, Kyrie's just a weird dude in general. And – you know, he, he kind of does his own thing. He He's different than everyone else. He kind of, you know, leads his own path. But at the same time, it's just – with Irving, it's just – it's such a rare scenario that you see someone, you know, just say, I want my number in the Raptors. I'm going to resign here. And then a year later, just take back everything he says and goes and signs with Brooklyn. And you just saw the whole thing unraveling. It really was – if you were in Boston or covering Boston sports at the time, it was a spectacle to see the past year just – how everything, it was like a storybook of just between the magic game where he came out and he said it's the young guy's fault. And Jalen Brown responds and says it's everyone's fault. And then you have all the, you know, you look at the, the Knicks games and every time they played the Knicks, it was, well, this might be Kyrie Irving's new home. And 
until the report came out, uh, you know, last week, I want to say, about Kyrie Irving really considering Brooklyn and the whole thing with him finding a new apartment, I still didn't believe he was going because I, you know, when he made, I was in the arena the night he made that announcement that he was going to come back. And it, you just, you would not think a year would go by and we'd be in this situation. I mean, it seemed like he was ready to go. He was locked in. And the, the events that unfolded in the past year is something that I've never seen before. Well, you know, I'll jump in too. This isn't really a question, but I read a, you know, you just read a guy like Aaron Baines and his comments. Um, I'm just going to read a quote here. Um, just, just talking about how bad the locker room was. He says, it's one of those things where everyone's entitled to their opinion. For me personally, I was focused on what we needed to do as a, as a group every single night. And that's what I tried to live in, tried to maintain that and get everybody to do that constantly. So, I mean, I, I totally agree with what you're saying because with the whole Kyrie Irving locker room thing. And, and, and I think that although I agree, Kyrie Irving's the more talented player when comparing him and Kemba Walker, I think you're going to see more chemistry on the court this year for the Celtics. And ultimately, I mean, that that's how you guys made that run. Uh, not last year, but the year before where you, you lost Kyrie Irving and all of a sudden, you know, you, Terry Rozier nearly led you to the NBA finals. So that's just kind of how I see the Celtics in that blue collared attitude. And I'll tell you what, for that season, it was the best and it was the worst thing that ever happened to them. When they went on that run, everything was high in Boston. Everything was great. But at the same time, you had a rookie, Jason Tatum, who he was a rookie at the time, and he was being treated like he was a superstar, like he was someone that, you know, was going to lead this team as his rookie year, and he kind of needed to be humbled by it. And you saw it last year. Last year, watching these Celtics games, you don't really see it if you're not watching it every night, but the amount of dumb shots he was taking, it was the isolation play. You saw two years ago, they were moving the ball around. The chemistry was great. Last year, all it was was isolation. And it was Jason Tatum trying to cross someone up and trying to make a move. Then Kyrie Irving was doing it. And then Marcus Morris, who, you know, I liked as a player, but he took so many shots. It was ridiculous. He was taking, I think at the end of the year, it was like 13 shots a game. And the final, I, I wrote a piece on it as the season ended. I think it was something like 29 or 30% he was shooting his field goal percentage, the final 20-something games of the season. And so you look at those guys, and it's just – it was selfish play. Rozier was on a contract year. Jalen Brown wanted to prove himself because Jalen Brown was someone that was in the starting lineup. He goes from being the number two guy on a team that's one quarter away from an NBA Finals to being a bench player. You have Jason Tatum, who expects to be a star of the team because that's what everyone in Boston Boston treats him like. And then he goes back to being a rookie. You got Terry Rozier, who everyone kind of said he was the, you know, the MVP of that first round against the Bucks. He's now a backup point guard getting 20 minutes a game. Everyone roll, everyone's roles decreased, and they all had something to prove. And once they didn't get their time, as soon as the ball was in their hands, they kind of said, okay, this is my time. I'm going to throw up some shots. And ultimately, that's why, the, that's why Boston ended up, you know, doing what they did and losing in five to the Bucks. You know, so – I got to ask you here now, kind of going forward here, Kemba Walker slides in, into this top spot now. Terry Rozier's out the door. Kyrie's out the door. Horford's out the door. Big picture here before we wrap up with you. What do you see happening with this team moving forward going into this season? Is this going to be another one of those years where everybody kind of steps up and picks up the pieces? Or do you think this is going to be kind of a rocky ride? You know, I mean, 
it doesn't really help you too much, but I think it's 50-50. I really do. There's a, I mean, to me personally, I can see Jason Tatum blossoming into a star. I think Jalen Brown's really going to show what he can do this year, and I think ultimately he has all-star potential. You're going to see Kemba Walker really be a team player and want to play for these guys. You know, he, he's not Kyrie Irving. He's a guy that he spent his whole career in Charlotte where he was putting up the numbers. He just had no one to play with. So I think he's going to be glad that he's on a team that is actually going to compete for something. And, you know, who knows what happens with the bigs? That's still a question to me as much as, you know, me or anyone else has any type of inside information. Who knows what they're going to do with the bigs? I don't know if Capella's an option. And, you know, that's someone that has been rumored, someone that a lot of people said the deal was pretty much done. And I don't think that's even in the picture anymore. But you look at it on the other side, too. And Jalen Brown's on a contract year next year. There's a chance that he might want to get as many shots as possible, get his numbers up. Jason Tatum's probably going to continue that. He's on a contract year in two years. So he's probably going to do the same thing. There's a chance that Kemba Walker comes in here and says he's not getting nearly as enough touches as he did in Charlotte. He was the the absolute man in Charlotte, and there was no one that was even a close second. Here, you know, you have Tatum, who's right there. You have Brown, who might be right there. Who who knows if Hayward comes back, you know? And Hayward's going to be another one. There's been, you know, Hayward's not really a guy that's looked on as being a, you know, a, a selfish player or someone that's a locker room issue, but there has been these minor reports, and maybe it's just in the Boston area that says that if he's not getting his way, he he can be – not maybe as bad as Kyrie, but there's also something that's there with Hayward. So maybe he tries forcing up shots. If they re-sign Morris, that's another issue. So it can go either way. I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics make a run. I think they have the talent, and I think they eventually will get the depth to make a run at least to the NBA Finals. I don't see them being beating the Lakers at this point if the Lakers end up using you know, their cap space correctly and get someone like a D'Angelo Russell. But at the same time, I could see them having a similar season to what they did last year. And that's when it's really going to explode. That's when it's going to get interesting because that's going to be a time where Jalen Brown might walk away from the team for nothing. If he goes and signs somewhere else, he will be a restricted free agent next year. But, you know, everyone knows how the league works. The players control it ultimately. So if he wants out, he's going to get out. And same thing with Jason Tatum. I mean, who's to say that in two years he doesn't want to go to L.A. and join the Clippers or go to New York and join the Knicks? That's the way that's trending. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. But, you know, you've seen two – polar opposites of the Celtics the last two years and I don't know if there's anyone in this world that can answer the question on what you're going to get next year <laughs> it's so true man I love it it's going to be an interesting season uh Dottie, thanks for coming on man go ahead and plug once again everything you got where you write for or Twitter the whole nine yards all right thanks for having me guys by the way but uh it's the Don Picaro on Twitter I write for Hardwood Houdini, which is a fa- part of the fan-sided network. I wrote for WTP Sports, which is another separate website in itself. I also host a radio show. You can follow that on Twitter, The Don and DeAngelis Show. And uh, a couple other things around Boston. I'm also a broadcaster for a local baseball team in Worcester. So do a little bit of work with that, with the Worcester Bravehearts. So uh, it's been fun. But as far as basketball-wise goes, you'll – I'll see a lot of my work on Hardwood Houdini. And once again, the Twitter's at the Don Picaro. Appreciate it, man. We'll be in touch again. We'll have to talk. That was fun. Thanks, sir, for coming on. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right, Don Picaro. Obviously, if we're talking Celtics, we got we, we to gotta go with their enemy and my favorite. Ron, are you with us? Yes. Yes, I am. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the, moment I, the moment I've been waiting for. Ron, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, who do you write for the whole nine yards? 
Uh, Ronald Eggers, uh, right for a few uh, websites. Uh, Lake Show Life, covering the uh, Los Angeles Lakers. Hawkshoop.net, covering the Atlanta Hawks for ESPN Truths Network. And I'm currently um, a new writer for uh, USA uh, Sports Media Group, uh, Celtics Wire. I just got lined up with those guys a couple of weeks ago. But uh, the Lakers are pretty much taking up all my time, so I can't get to the Celtics just yet. So I'm basically waiting for after the free agency <laughs> to even to even get to these guys because nobody right now knows anything that's going on right now because we're actually being shocked, as you can see. Oh, this has been, you know, we've said this a few times today, 5 p.m. free agency for us, uh, Central Time here, 3 p.m. out there. It's the greatest thing ever. This is this is. It's like Christmas in July. <laughs> well, I guess June technically, but getting this, there's so much to keep up on. And as 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 a Minnesotan who grew up without a basketball team, I obviously levitated to the Lakers because the Timberwolves didn't start until I was like eight or whatever. So I've always had a, a place in my heart for this team. Free agency has begun. What's the loadout, Ron? Who are we looking at? Kawhi, D'Angelo, we getting role players. What's the latest that you've heard as free agency's been kicked off here? Okay, uh, let's get, I'm going to just say it like this. Honestly, no one knows, and I'm going to tell you why nobody knows. Uh, remember the $32 million cap space they, was put, they were trying to get to, to get the max free, uh, level free agent? Who thought they were going to get it? <laughs> it, was a run, it really was a running joke that uh, – the cap space was shrinking by the day from $23.7 million down to $17 in a Walmart card. It, <laughs> the stuff that they were doing, I mean, they got Anthony Davis to waive $4 million. That shocked me. You trade Moritz Wagner, Mo Wagner, you trade uh, Isaac, Bonga, uh, Isaac Bonga and Jamario Jones to a team in the Washington Wizards that did not even have a general manager. <laughs> to get cap space to get the max guy. So nobody knows. But I can tell you what they're going to plan and try to do. What they're going to try to do is go for uh, go for uh, Kawhi Leonard, obviously. Do I believe he's going to go? No, I really just don't think it's going to happen. I, I just don't see a guy being the number one guy in Toronto, just win a title, then you're going to be the third third wheel on the Lakers team. I just don't see it. But that's who they were going after. If they go after them, it's it, really to be totally honest with you, it's all about the veteran minimum, veterans minimum players and the mid-level exception players that they can get to fill out this roster because they only have three players: Kyle Kuzma, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. That's it. You and I, THT, could, uh, baby, we can actually <laughs> we got shoot up. <laughs> I, I'll suit up for the minimum. I can sit on the bench for 15. I'll sit on the bench as the 15th man. I ain't got no problem. Give me a two-way deal. I go to the league, no problem. But that's what the Lakers are dealing with right now. And what they, they're really gambling right now because uh, everybody keeps saying, well, Kawhi's leader in the color. Uh, Kawhi's leaning toward the Lakers. Everybody says that. I've noticed on Twitter everybody seems to have sources. I was telling somebody I was shooting ball today before the um, free agency started. If you hear sources and you're not attached to ESPN, Fox Sports, or Yahoo Sports, or a, a credible place, and you hear it on Twitter, it's 25, baby true, 75, go ahead and take it with a grain of salt. Because 
no one really knows. Who thought KD would go to, to the Brooklyn Nets? With Kyrie, with DeAndre Jordan. I did an article about the centers because right now I'm breaking down because I think the Lakers are now going to be the Cleveland Cavaliers West. What they're going to do is break this team down. They got rid of all the young guys. They're going to bring in veterans that's at the back end of their careers for veterans minimum contracts, get you a mid-level exception player, and then you're going to have three superstars. That's what LeBron James does. He takes it from the Pat Riley away when he was in Miami. That's what they did. D-Wade, Chris Bosh, and uh, LeBron James, and then you got uh, mid-level players like Ray Allen. You realize he only made $3 million when he hit that uh, hit that, um, yeah. that uh, great three-point shot? Yeah, All of that he, for the he, tidy he, sum of $3 million. <laughs> <laughs> that team would have been one in three if he doesn't hit that shot, you know? Yep, all of that for $3 million. And, and the rest of the players are on rookie contracts like Norris Cole and Mario Chalmers. And you get a bunch of veteran veteran minimum guys. That's what they're going to do with the with the Lakers. I think Rondo will be back. I think uh, they may get George Hill. J.R. Smith will probably be in the mix. Guaranteed Carmelo Anthony is going to be there because that's LeBron James' best friend. People say, well, why are you picking up him? They don't need to be building it because he's LeBron James' best friend. Sorry, that's how it works. Remember James Jones? the general? He's the general <laughs> manager of Phoenix Suns. But guess what? James Jones was in Miami when LeBron was in Miami. He was in Cleveland when uh, he was in Cleveland when LeBron went back to Cleveland. Some of his friends travel along with him. That's just the way it is. But uh, right now, the gamble right now is because uh, minimum, those minimum wage players like uh, DeAndre Jordan, who is on the list, is off the board. Trevor Ariza is off the board. Players that they could use to fill out that bench are starting to get signed up. So. Kawhi Leonard, who has talked to Magic Johnson, he's already talked to Magic Johnson, is going to be talking to the Clippers, and he's going to give Toronto the last chance for a pitch before he makes his decision. And it may happen on – let's just say it happens on Tuesday. That 48 hours, the way things are going right now, is very, very it, – it, the window is closing for the Lakers on how to, sell, how to uh, spend that cap space. Just because you got cap space, Ask the New York Knicks. I'm a New York Knicks fan. We got a ton of cap space. We just ain't got no. no we just ain't got nobody to give it to. <laughs> the Lakers get, get caught with that thirty million, thirty-two million dollars, and go and ain't gonna have nobody to give it to, which could be a which could be a real problem right now. So, with the Lakers, we're at a, we're in a holding pattern. We're waiting to see if Kawhi if they can convince Kawhi Leonard to uh to sign with the Lakers. Uh, he'll have to take a pay cut. I just don't see that, but um, that's where we are with the Lakers. Well, that, so Chris Broussard tweeted an hour or two ago, uh, Kawhi is the Lakers to lose, he's told. Not done deal yet, but the Lakers are apparently Kawhi's top choice. It's from Chris Broussard. You know, you want, you want a source, there's a good source right there. That's got optimism. I mean, that gives me true optimism. I don't know what you can do. With with the mid level, who's going to come in for some of that stuff? I mean, I don't know if a guy like I, and Beverly might get sixteen million from what I've heard instead of a ten, which is nuts, you know. So hundred percent on board with that. Where we don't know, maybe Marcus Morris. He's a clutch sports guy. He comes over, but it's it's a good time if you're a Lakers fan, man. I tell you what, uh, Hagman, what you got? What you got right now, sir? 
I actually have a question for both of you. Um, yeah, because Ryan, I, I I don't think I've had a chance to ask you this. Uh, do you guys both like the Anthony Davis deal? Because when I when I first saw this, obviously when I first saw the deal happen a couple of weeks ago, my biggest concern as uh, you know, as you were mentioning, I mean, you got three guys on your team. You got LeBron, Kuzma, and, and, and Davis. But looking at this, looking at Davis and his, you know, his track record in games played, he hasn't played a full season in his entire NBA career. In fact, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, five out of the seven, he's played less than 70 games. So I guess just kind of ask, I just kind of want to hear both of your guys' response and, and see if you guys, as fans of the Lakers and people who obviously watch them pretty closely and have an opinion. What do you guys think about that? Ryan, why well, don't you take it away? You're, you're the guest of the show here. Why don't you take it off? I'll say this, and I wrote an article on this. Uh, the Lakers had to make this deal, but it had not. It didn't have much to do with what goes on the court. Let me tell you why. Remember how the locker room was absolutely uh, obliterated after the trade deadline on in February? Everybody basically quit. Mm-hmm. Playoff chances were right. done then. Okay? You saw the damage that happened then. Then you rinse and repeat and try the same thing all over again, offering up all of these picks, all of these players. They could not afford to go 82 games of bad and hard feelings of young guys not being able to handle all of the rumors and this, that, and the third. That's why I believed that they had to make the move for that. Now, were they taken to the cleaners? Yes. David Griffin is a great is a, um, is a great GM, and he did okie doke with Rob Palenka because when uh, LeBron retires and he's out in uh, two to three years, you're looking at the Brooklyn Nets all over again. Think about it. The Brooklyn Nets have basically – resuscitated their franchise this year. But they were dead in the water for four to five years based off of a deal that the Lakers did. Do you go after Anthony Davis? They had no choice. They have to make sure – they have to have a vision. Part of the problem with the Lakers last year was they said, okay, we got half the team on one-year contracts. That means, hey, you know something, you're not going to be part of the long-term deal. And you got young guys over here – and we're going to just build for the future. Then you bring in LeBron James, who comes with a uh, with a with a sign on his chest uh, saying uh, "Win now, please." There were too many uh, there were too many uh, directions that the Lakers were trying to go, and that's what messed up the uh, messed up the uh, chemistry of the of the team last year, and basically blew up the uh, blew up the uh, playoff chances. Some of it was um, injuries but not as much as people want to make it. Like, they keep saying, well, they were in the fourth slot in 20 and 14. Okay, fine, during Christmas. Okay, that's fine. But they didn't defend well. Everybody knew Luke Walton was going to be fired. They knew the uh, young core wasn't going to last long. When LeBron came in, he was going to blow that, blow that squad up and put it in his image. So Anthony Davis is a superstar. LeBron likes playing with superstars. He likes playing with his friends. He likes playing with veterans who are always professional so he doesn't have to lead them. That's way that's the way it is. I I think too, you gotta look at with this failed experiment, Danny Ainge getting all these draft picks in Boston, it didn't work. 
Kings were better than they thought. You know, the Grizzlies were worse than thought, so the picks didn't come each way. And I think you're 100% right, you know, uh, Nick, given my thought with you you already kind of had the bad stink in the locker room with the trade to begin with. If you look at it, before when Dale Demps didn't want to do the deal, Kuzma was in that deal. We kept Kuzma. So I think that's also a win. And by adding AD, you got a guy for the future now. And who knows what they what they bring in with this extra cap. So, you know, do I think the Pelicans look good with this? Yeah, they have a great young core now. They had a good draft, and they got a lot of good pieces. But I think the Lakers came away better than they would have if they would have did it at the trade deadline. Kind of my thought on the whole thing. I'm not saying they're better. They're not, I'm not saying they're better. But what I am saying is at least they have a direction. Yep. Hey, we're going to go this direction we're going to plan based on this. We're going to build play. We're going to get players based on this mantra and go from there. I'm not saying they're better, but at least you have a direction. I used to tell people all the time because I used to get, I mean, I used to um, really irritate a lot of, of Lakers fans. And I'm saying you have to make a decision. you got to say, hey, are we, going to, are we going to develop Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and, um, and Kyle Kuzma with an uh, aging LeBron that you gave $154 million to? Or are you going to win now? Because those guys were not ready at the time to win in the next two years. That's what this is all about. We're going to mortgage the farm now for success, like the Cleveland Cavaliers did. Four years, four years, four finals uh, appearances. Where are they at right now? They back in sport. They're back in purgatory. So that's what the <laughs> Lakers are doing right now. Um, I, I want to ask you here too. Obviously, a lot of people. We're trashing Rob Palenka for, for the decisions made, and now people are praising Rob Palenka. I think it definitely is a win when you add a guy like Anthony Davis, but I'm not fully ready to, uh, to crown him, as a, as a fun coach once said in the NFL. Um, but what has he got to do to make this actually an offseason of success other than Anthony Davis? Is it, is it getting Kawhi Leonard, or is it just putting together – the proper roster that can get the job done. Like how, what do you grade Palenka on with this? Uh, basically he's doing a better job, but it's kind of by accident. You ever notice like, uh, you got Mr. Magoo who actually, uh, yeah, like, just actually falls, around. Into a, falls into the pothole <laughs> falls into the pothole and whatnot. And then you fall on top of the, uh, and fall on top of the crook and whatnot. And then you solve the case. This is kind of yep. what we're getting right now because <laughs> what's, what's the, the problem here is this. Uh, this is how he's going to be. We're going to see his mantra because listen, the Pelicans were going to get we're going to get rid of Davis anyway, so we knew that they just they, they just get they just they basically just took the franchise and some uh, Jack Nicholson friend uh, Jack Nicholson's tickets to uh, make the deal. And we say well we kept Kyle Kuzma, but guess what? They got the number four pick. In other words, Kyle Kuzma turned into the number four pick in the NBA draft. They just swapped that out and kept moving, and David Griffin uh, moved that pick over to the Atlanta Hawks for a couple of more picks in the NBA draft. So they've really done what they were supposed to do. What's good, where Rob Palenka is going to earn his money is filling out the roster, being able to get players to be professional, defend like Frank Vogel said, like Frank Vogel wants, because guess what? Jason, the Jason Kidd hire was not a smart hire. We, there's, there's a history with him that he, he just likes power. And 
We know LeBron James likes power. We know Rich Paul likes power. We know Jason Kidd wants power. That could be a recipe for disaster long-term. Short-term, it may work out for a year or two, but when things start to go well, that's when the Lakers are going to have to be watched. Look out for the Lionel Hollins uh, signing. He is a great hire for the assistant for that staff. Great hire because he is going to hold those players and LeBron James too accountable for not playing defense. Everybody was talking. Well, we're going to bring Brook Lopez back. Bring back Brook Lopez for what? Remember, Brook Lopez played in the, played in Brooklyn when Lionel Hollins was the head coach. Lionel Hollins benched him. For Miles Plumley, no, I'm sorry, not Miles Plumley, Mason Plumley. Yes, that <laughs> Mason Plumley that plays for the play for the Denver Nuggets. He was a starting center over Brook Lopez. So guess what? They didn't get along. So that made no sense. So right now they're going to have to they're going to have to with that little with that with the uh, if they get uh, Kawhi or they get uh, D'Angelo Russell, they're going to have to take a, that um, that that small amount of money that budget they have and fill it up with good quality players. Yeah, totally, gotta have, totally, yeah I totally agree with that. And, and I got, we got one last question for you. And I'm going to ask this. In, finish this sentence. In 2019-2020, the Los Angeles Lakers will finish where in the Western Conference? Uh, number three seed, if they're healthy. If healthy, we'll assume they stay healthy. Number three seed, and I think they'll get to the Western Conference Finals, and they will probably get beat by if um, the Nuggets get their stuff together. And I don't think, and to this day, I still don't think they're good enough to beat Houston. Oh man, I'll take it. I'll take the third. Seed. You just made the list. I'll take the, I'll take that third seat. Let's go. I'll take it, man. It's going to be wild. The Western Conference, Utah suddenly is a powerhouse now. Like, they're coming out of nowhere. You mentioned Denver. This season is going to be off the charts, and it's kicking off with an amazing free agency. Um, I can't wait. Uh, Stephen A. Smith just tweeted, noises elevating Kawhi and Jimmy Butler could join up in L.A. on the Clippers. Boo, I don't want to see that, but that's a talk for another day. Um, hey, thanks for coming on last minute like this, uh, talking some Lakers. I, I love chatting about the Lakers. Plug everything you got once again for all of our listeners where they can read all your work. Okay, I'm at uh, lakeshowlife.com. If you, listen here, if you're, if you're a casual fan or, or you're part of those millennials that think uh, LeBron just rolls the ball out uh, and the Lakers are just going to win, I'm not the writer for you. I tell the truth. Uh, <laughs> Hogshoop.net uh, uh, covering Atlanta Hawks. They're doing some good things down there. My uh, Twitter page is at sport, S-P-O-R-T, World Order. And I'll ask any questions. Ronald Agers at yahoo.com. Email me. I'll answer all your questions. Appreciate it, man. We'll, we'll be in talk soon. I, I'd love to follow up with you after this wild free agency, sir. Oh, anytime, man. Anytime. I'll be around. I appreciate it, sir. Nick Hagberg, this is the first 10 minute segment now where we don't have a guest. How are you breathing over there? <laughs> No, hey, 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 great job getting all these people on because, uh, no, a lot of good information. And, and this totally beats what, as I kind of talked at the top of the show, this totally beats what we did two years ago when we were sitting here at 2 a.m., you know, just <laughs> rambling on for a couple hours. <laughs> but, but I, if you remember that, 
What if you remember from that show, though, we had that random, that random Atlanta Hawks fan call in. Oh, that guy, guy was but... great. <laughs> that guy yeah, was good great. Times doing, good times doing. <laughs> yeah, good times at 3 a.m. You know, I'm. I'm super excited. That was part of the reason too. I I, I slotted Ron on where I did because I I knew Lakers talk was gonna was obviously because of me is gonna be a little more. But with there's with how much is going on with this team and everything that could happen, um, I figured slot him in for two segments here. Um, the New York Knicks were supposed to be at six thirty five, but uh, they bailed. Um, somebody posted a picture. Uh, I want to get this jersey. It says 74 Knicks. The back says Cap Space is the name. Uh, so I guess I got to clown them a little bit for bailing on us. Uh, and, and apparently uh, Dolan's using the we didn't want to give KD a max deal because of the Achilles as to why he didn't go to the Knicks. So that is the Jimmy or the James Dolan uh, excuse. Do you believe it? Oh, I totally believe it. More dysfunction in New York. Isn't that what we kind of expected going into it? I, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, you can't, you can't expect anything less really. Um, uh, and that was kind of the thing you hear all these rumors about Durant going to the Knicks and, you know, Kawhi joining it's to be honest with you. I don't, I'd never saw that be coming to fruit. Uh, I'm not surprised. Uh, Knicks just signed Julius Randle three years, $63 million, uh to, yeah, to head over. Um, Knicks apparently are frantically trying to do a sign-and-trade for Quinn Cook from the Warriors and meeting with Reggie Bullock. So, Knicks fans, I hope you're um, happy that that was the outcome instead when everyone thought that they were going to – they looked – everybody said that Kyrie and KD – I know Ron said, said you know, people who really believed it, well, I've been preaching it for months. I said KD and Kyrie were going to end up in New York together. I just picked the wrong team. Right. <laughs> to be fair. Right. I do I say this. Too. I'm sorry. I will say this, though. The, the Julius Randle saying really underrated move thing. I think that's really – because to be honest with you, I mean, they need help reposition. And I remember watching the the draft the other week, and I don't think I've ever seen this before. You know, uh, on the bottom tip, they always show the team is drafting, you know, they always show like point guard, center, power forward, whatever the you know whatever the team needs to fill. The New York Knicks it said everything, everything. bench, <laughs> it, on ESPN, on ESPN it said. It just said everything. Gosh. But there's no other I, – I just got to uh, – I just had to laugh at that because – and really looking at that team, they – I just, I can't – it's just sad to see uh, a big market basketball team like that just continue to fail not only over the years but over the decades really. It's uh, – but now it looks like Brooklyn – Brooklyn's bringing basketball back to New York. So um, kind of just going through a quick cheat sheet. If I missed something, I apologize. Uh, Kevin Durant to Brooklyn. Lillard resigns with the Blazers. Busevich staying with the Magic. Four years, $100 million. Porzingis, obviously, 5-158 to Dallas. Kyrie goes to Brooklyn. Brooke Lopez stays in Milwaukee. Kemba to Boston. Alfred Camino to the Magic. Middleton stays in Milwaukee. Dwight Powell with the Mavericks. Rubio goes to the Suns. Valanciunas stays with the Grizzlies. 
Thomas Bryant on three years to the Wizards, Jeremy Lamb and Malcolm Brogdon to the Pacers, Dwayne Dedman to Sacramento, J.J. Redick to the Pelicans, Rudy Gay stays with the Spurs, Clay stays with the Spurs, five or with the Warriors, 5-1-90. Uh, Daniel House, three years over to the Rockets, Ariza goes to Sacramento, he got $12.5 million. Holy crap. Terrence Ross stays with Orlando. Rozier to the Hornets. Derrick Rose to the Pistons. Barnes stays with Sacramento. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich goes to the Jazz. Gerald Green stays with the Rockets. Temple to the Nets. And Rodney Hood stays in Portland. That's happened in an hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, my uh, phone keeps the well. up. Uh, well staying with the Thunder. Um, Damari Carroll to the Spurs. Tobias Harris stays with the Sixers. Obviously, we mentioned the Julius Randle thing. They, the Knicks got a meeting with Reggie Bullock. Um, I'm just trying to delete all these off. Pacers did deal a first and two seconds for Brogdon and then signed Jeremy Lamb. Um, Bulls got Thad Young three years. Um, obviously, you mentioned the, the Ben Simmons thing. We got Reddick off the book here. Uh, Al Horford's still up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen to him. Um, we mentioned Sacramento potentially being a landing spot for Clint Capella if the Butler thing happens. Denver, we mentioned, picks up Paul Millsap's option. Um, Hornets, once again, don't pick up Kaminsky's option. Um, Butler's meeting with the Heat right now. Um, what else we got? Miritich goes to Barcelona, getting mad loot out there. The Zebos to the Grizzlies, which you wish you could get that contract. Oh, I would love that. He has the, he has the greatest he has the greatest job in the world, that guy. <laughs> um, Seriously, he won't even. Will he even? What's the over under of the amount of minutes he'll actually play this year? I, I don't even. Follow the game. Fifteen a game, maybe. I don't even know. I'm going to look this up. I don't even think he, he got a bunch of uh, like coaches decisions <laughs> benching him last year. Let, let, let me just see this here. Zach Randolph. Uh, got uh, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, Danny Green, D'Angelo Russell, Boogie Cousins, Patrick Beverly, Marcus Morris, Al Horford, essentially the names left on the free agency board. Uh one thing I found funny is uh, somebody tweeted, uh, Kawhi Leonard hasn't said anything or hasn't been reached yet because uh, he hasn't answered his pager. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh, yeah, and, and to the Zach Randolph thing, I he didn't even play. Zach Randolph didn't even play last year at all. Jeez. At all. Did, didn't even. Uh, he, I'm, I'm looking at this right now. He didn't even. Could be wrong here. No, he didn't even play in. He didn't even play in 2018, 2019 at all. <laughs> hey, you're telling me this guy. I, I just, I don't get that. Why? I don't. I well, but to be honest with you, though, the the way the the contracts are nowadays, I mean, that's like a, almost like a minimum deal. For, I mean, do you think that uh, that's a hey, we're you know we'll bring you back to finish your career here? That's yeah, all it well, is. Uh, he basically has the human victory cigar roll. That's the only minutes he's going to get in a 30-point <laughs> blowout. Um, somebody pointed out, and I kind of mentioned this too, uh, Utah Jazz, man, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley, Boyang Bodanovich, Joe Ingles, and a lot of other pieces. 
Utah low-key might be this year's Denver and make a run, do you think? Yeah, I like that because – and the thing I like about that is those guys, both Donovich and Conley, in my opinion, both fit really well in Utah. And it was kind of the same thing about Ricky Rubio. I think Ricky Rubio is really going to take a step back through because – You'd probably agree with this. Utah just plays a unique style of basketball in comparison to a lot of other teams. Uh, the way they just play, they play a lot. It's kind of like a European style of basketball, just a lot of ball movement. Um, really, with that type of team, you don't really need a superstar player. Donovan Mitchell is probably the most prolific scorer on that team, but he has he has inconsistencies, though, I if you probably agree with that as well, but I don't know. I, I just think that, that team is really looking at the Western conference now and how much weaker it is. I, I think Utah could make a run at the finals and could be a dark horse, but still got to get through Denver still possibly have to get through the three headed monster in LA. If, if things work out there, but yeah, I, I really like Utah. I think that they're have a great outside chance of making a run. Here, here's something that just popped up, too. Um, because of the fact he could make it a five-year instead of a four-year for Kevin Durant, which would be better for uh, Brooklyn for the sake that they would then have four more years after this, there is talks that it might be a sign-and-trade with Golden State to Brooklyn, which that would give Golden State a $30 million trade exemption. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's definitely a good point. I, yeah. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's still could be making moves, man. And we're only two hours in here. Oh, I can't no, wait. Things are he- yeah, things are heating up. We got about fifteen minutes left here. Um, waiting on our last guest of the evening. Um, this is a Demetrius Burrell special, is what this is. <laughs> you could call it. Um, Sacramento Kings. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what's going on. This was the last minute trying to put it together, so we'll see what happens. Oh, I, see? You, you, you mentioned it, and things happened. That's how we do it here. Uh, joining us as well, Jonathan, you with us? Yes, sir. Oh, my gosh. This is the craziest day of my life. Uh, real quick, plug everything you got for all my listeners there. Well, I mean, we've got Ariza to the Kings at two years, $25 million. You've got Deadman at three years, $41 million with a third-year partial guarantee. And there's still some rumors circling about who they're going to pick up for their backup point guard role. And uh, right now it seems like Corey Joseph is still their number one target. What, so what happened originally earlier, like earlier today, I heard Al Horford. A lot of this Al Horford talk with Sacramento. Was there, any, was there anything real to that? Was that just smoke? It seems like it was very real, but I guess the the offer that the Kings had made wasn't as massive as was reported. Seems like the Kings are maybe shooting for something around a hundred million flat, which is a little less than Horford was uh was looking for. And I also heard that the Kings were trying to get Horford at only three years instead of four, and the fourth year was a big sticking point. It's probably what made the deal fall through in the end. Hey, but what you got, sir? One second. Yeah, so talking about Dwayne Dedman, Trevor Ariza, how do you see those two moves fitting in with this team? I think we all know you guys got a really young team, a lot of good young pieces, and then you bring in two 
you bring in a veteran like Dereza, you bring in a guy like Dwayne Dedman. How do you see those two guys fitting in with your with your squad? Well, first off, with Dedman, he's just a clear upgrade over what they had before with Willie Cauley-Stein. And he also fits a lot better with what the Kings are trying to do. There's been a lot of complaints from the Kings as an organization and also from the fan base that, that Cauley-Stein wasn't really giving the effort that he needed to be successful in the league. And that's something that Dedman really will give. He's also not going to need a big role, and that's going to work perfectly with them having their, their trio of Fox, Buddy Heald, and Harrison Barnes, who also just resigned. His, uh, his, rim, his rim protecting as well is going to be a huge plus for the Kings, as Willie Cauley-Stein was the worst in the league last year by almost every metric when it came to rim protection. And on the Trevor Ariza front, it, that's just, a, I guess, icing on the cake for the Kings in this, in this offseason. Usually someone like Trevor Ariza would likely be their starting small forward, but coming, getting him as a backup is a big boon. And now they're going to have small forward depth, which is something they really haven't had for much of the last decade. So what do you think is next now? Are, are they done? Um, I'm not sure how this, how this locks with their cap space now that they had going. Um, I mean, do, do you want more? What else do you want to see from this team? Or is this kind of the, okay, you know, we were two games away from 500 last year. I like where we're at. Let's just sit tight and go into the season. Well, right now, cap space-wise, I think they're at about $13.5 million left, which still gives them some wiggle room. Granted that they renounced Willie Cauley-Stein's qualifying or rescind his qualifying offer, which would clear his cap hold. They're probably going to use that to target another backup point guard because Frank Mason and Yogi Ferrell just aren't aren't cutting it, and they just they really underwhelmed last season. And they're going to need something that's more stable uh, behind Aaron Fox rather than just running Bogdan Bogdanovich out of position. So I'd look for them to target, like I said, Corey Joseph or uh, Tomas Sadoransky. But aside from that, I think that the Kings are just going to be content to run it back as is. You get that little upgrade at backup point guard, but you've already fortified the power rotation. You've got a better starting center that's not going to block Harry Giles' development. And you've also got more depth at a wing position that you really haven't had before. You bank on De'Aaron Fox improving again over the third year of his career because he's only in a, he only just finished his second year. Then you've got Buddy Heald, who's going to be 27, just heading into his prime. And you've also got Harrison Barnes running it back for a, for a second year with the Kings. And just with that chemistry and that internal development, it might be enough to get them the 44, 45 wins. But it's still hard to tell if that's going to be enough to actually get them into the playoffs. So that's another question entirely. Yeah, I think that's a, yeah, I think that's a good point, too, because – Really, I, I saw a lot of potential with that team last year. So really, I'm a huge fan of De'Aaron Fox, a lot of the, a lot of the younger players. But I guess kind of touching on, on Harrison Barnes, gave him a four-year, let's see, your four-year $85 million deal. I, I guess what kind of role do you expect him to play in all this? Do you think that, you know, I mean, we, we obviously have seen him for several years now, but where do you see him fitting with the team considering he's with you guys on a long-term basis? Well, last year, I think you saw what he's going to be a lot for, for this season as well, is that, that steady third, I guess, you know, loosely using the definition of a star player. That's what he's going to be for Sacramento. And should Buddy Heald or De'Aaron Fox ever need a, a day off or, or um, having forbid an injury or something like that. Harrison Barnes could very well step up and give them enough support that they won't be just a, a rollover win for any other team. 
And he's also only 27 years old still, and I think that's a big part that people are missing. He's been in the league for almost a decade, but he's still just entering his prime. And it's possible that he even improves a little bit this year. He's got that, he's got that stability now. And regardless, turning to assets, for lack of a better word, and Zach Randolph and Justin Jackson into a, a player who can, all, who can really take this team to the next level is huge for the Kings, and especially with the hole that they've had at small forward ever since Rudy Gay tore his Achilles. Barnes is just, he's going to be that stabilizing presence. And you got to remember that he also won a title with Golden State. So he's got that playoff experience on a roster that doesn't have much of it. So one, one gripe that I had, Jonathan, that I wanted to ask you about, and this was, this was one of my main talking points that kind of, kind of ties with free agency, I guess, because it is a new piece, but one that I was a little confused of, I don't know if it's Minnesota bias or what, but I am a huge Dave Yeager fan. And I thought with the way the turnaround happened with this team getting as close as they did to 500 after, you know, the years it's been that replacing him with Luke Walton was a bad decision. What's your thoughts on this coaching change? Well, it's funny you should mention that. I was actually, when that, when that first happened, I was very much in the same side as you were. I, I really wanted to see what Dave Yeager could do with this team for a, what would it be a fourth year? And the way he was just unceremoniously dumped after such a spectacular and surprising season, it kind of stung. And it wasn't just for me or you. It was a lot of Kings fans that felt the same way. But with that said, Luke Walton might be the better fit in terms of style that the Kings were really looking for. Dave Yeager's known for that, that defensive grit and grind, slow down the pace type of coaching style. And last year he really changed that. And he that's what made the Kings so good is he changed his – his coaching philosophy, but Luke Walton has always been the case in space kind of coach. And with the Lakers team that didn't have a very good, well-rounded roster, it was a mishmash of different pieces that didn't really fit. And then you add in LeBron James, he just, he was set up for failure. And now with the Kings, he's got a chance to really do what everyone thought he could do when he had that crazy stretch with Golden State after Steve Kerr had his back surgery. Now, of course, that could all change with the uh, sexual allegations, sexual assault allegations surrounding him. But as of right now, from a purely basketball standpoint, Luke Walton might be a better fit for this team than Dave Yeager was coaching-wise. And going off that, that pure basketball standpoint, with everything that, that's transpired today with free agency, you know, bringing people back, getting some upgrades, new coach, I just want to ask you before we let you go here, what do you think the outlook is for this team this year? I mean, it's it's – it's been the biggest step in the right direction, um, you know, since the draft where I still was mind boggled that Divac didn't take Doncic, but that's a whole other topic I'm sure to discuss. Absolutely. Where do you think they go from here? Well, I think the only way to go from here is up. And as cliche as that sounds, it, it really seems like the truth. I mean, like you mentioned earlier, the Kings were just a few games below 500 last season, and they had a really good chance to make the playoffs had they not fallen off in March and April like they did. And that all started with that terrible loss to the Clippers when Barnes blew a game winner, but that's another topic. <laughs> but coming into this season, it, if, they, if these pieces really mesh like they should on paper – and as everyone, including the front office, anticipates them to, and barring that there's, you know, no injuries, of course, or any other off-court, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, off-court distractions maybe, the Kings really could make a run at a playoff spot, especially with Durant now out of the conference. And if you have, you're taking all these other 
Western Conference with these top tier players out of the out of the conference, you know, the playoff spot could open up. I mean, looking at it right now, it's probably the Rockets and Jazz are the top two teams in the conference. The Thunder haven't done anything to really re-up. They're capped out. The Spurs also haven't done much, and they barely made the playoffs last season. The Clippers are, seem content to run it back, and they've got a very a very talented team as well. But it's not difficult to fathom the Kings taking over one of two or three spots from maybe the Thunder, Spurs, or even Blazers if they were to regress this year with Nurkic coming off his injury. It's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be a really interesting season. We're two hours into it, and the landscape has changed. Uh, I, I cannot wait to just continue forward with this. Uh, Jonathan, thanks last minute jumping on with us. It was a pleasure slotting in for our final slot of the night here. Uh, I do, we do got some Sacramento Kings fans that listen and always ask if we're going to get some Sacramento time. So glad we were able to give it to them. Uh, before I let you go, plug everything you got, you know, the Twitter, the website you write for, the whole nine yards where people can read your stuff. Hey, well, you can read all of our stuff over at Royal Pain, fan-sided Sacramento Kings arm, Twitter, at Royal Pain, or from my personal Twitter, at John R-X-X-I-I-I. And thanks for having me on, man. It was a pleasure. Yeah, appreciate it. We'll have to chat again because, like I said, we got a lot of Kings fans. So thanks for reaching out, man. We'll be in touch. Absolutely. You have a great night. Yeah, you too. Coming on here, Jonathan Roberts, final guest of the night. Nick, we got about three minutes left in the show here. I want to ask your thoughts on a couple things real quick before we close out. What do you think happens with a guy like DeMarcus Cousins? guy like DeMarcus Cousins. I actually read a report of today that he, he himself was open to returning to Sacramento, but, uh, and I should have asked him about this too. And he was on feel stupid for not doing this, but uh, he was taught, but Sacramento apparently hasn't shown really any interest in bringing him back. So I think that that's kind of an interesting situation because to be honest with you, I really don't think he fits with golden state that well, unless golden state totally changes the way they play without, uh, Durant and Thompson being out for the year, but I just, I don't know about you. I just can't see cousins being in golden state long-term. I think that the way they play, the way he plays, it's complete contrast. And I don't, and, and I, and also, I don't know if cousins Achilles is going to hold up, you know, the, after suffering that injury and I don't know, because he was a force like two years ago. I mean, yeah, he, he was, was putting up, he was putting up, just monster numbers so i don't know it'll be interesting where do i think he goes well see that's the thing i I, it's so hard to say because it's dependent on a team wanting to take that risk um what about what about a team like dallas see i think that makes sense because you got a guy like porzingis there you got a guy like cousins so you kind of have two versatile big men and dallas plays kind of a slow tempo so i i do think that would be a good fit for him but it just goes back to what I was saying. I mean, he needs to play on a team that doesn't he, – he has to fit with the team's, you know, style of play for him to be effective. Right, I got, and I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, and, and, and just kind of wrapping things up, I don't know if he fits with what Golden State's doing. He's got to find himself a better place, and uh, hopefully a team will take a chance on him. All right, four, I got four players – one word answer, where do they play next year? First person, Al Horford. Al Horford. 
Ah, oh, man. I, I say he'll re-sign in Boston. But... D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell. Uh, hopeful, I hope. Hopeful, but I think he'll go to Minnesota. Jimmy Butler. Miami. And Kawhi Leonard. Pains me to say this, but uh, the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> you like that? You like that? <laughs> hey, it scares me that there's talks that Kawhi and Jimmy Butler could go to play in uh, the Clippers together. I don't want to see that happen. Um, Hagberg, plug plug all your stuff here before we go, man. Yeah, I didn't really touch on it, but uh, group of us we run a run a uh, sports betting advice website, sportsbettingmasters.com. You can also check us out at sportsbettingm8, the letter M and the number eight at the end of that. And yeah, you know, we're just going to provide good tips throughout the year. We're pretty much doing just baseball right now, but we're going to be doing a lot of soccer, a lot of, a lot of football, a lot of, a lot of basketball coming up. So it should be an exciting time of the year in the fall. Once again, I want to thank, Everybody who jumped on today, uh, we appreciate everybody coming on with us. We had a, it was, this was crazy. Like you said, this was much different than what we did two years ago. Even last year was different than it. Last year was a little more interactive, but uh, this was fun. I'm glad we did this. This was tremendous. Nick, it's always a pleasure, man. And I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Otherwise, I'll see you at the fantasy draft. Ladies and gentlemen, we will. Sportscast Radio, we are out. <laughs>